Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Nick Costos with us every Thursday. You better you bet. 6 o'clock to 10 o'clock. All the best bets NBA, college hoops, and of course, this NFL championship weekend. Good morning, gentlemen. I'm curious. You guys are betting betting professionals. I am not, with the exception of the occasional. Oh, well, let's booze. slow down with the word professional there. Let's slow down with the word <laughs> professional there. Well, you know how I bet. I bet with booze and steak dinners and, and things that uh, we can't mention here on there. That's how I bet. But I do every time the fucking lottery gets above like 150 or 200 million. I'm the idiot that goes down to my local gas station and buys this little slip. Usually I spend like 15 or 20 bucks and I dream about what I would do if I won the lottery. It's fucking ridiculous. I know I'm never going to win. What would you but do? But for me, it's, well, the first thing I would do, Nick, and this is my dream over and over again. Obviously, I, I would never work again. I'd still be here with you guys because this isn't Fuck really you, work. Man. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> but but the first thing I would do is I would charter a huge ass yacht for all my close friends and family, and we would just crush it for like however long anybody wants to be on the boat. Great. I'm going to be on it for like three months. You guys, Nick. Ross, you guys can come for two or three days. You could come for two weeks. Whatever. It's all on me. However long you want to stay, that's great. I just want to be surrounded by loved ones and travel the world on a yacht. Do either of you play the lottery because you both gamble? Nick? Uh, I can't say I really do play the lottery. But I did have I did have St. John's plus five and a half last night against Providence. <laughs> so maybe, you, maybe you I play the lottery. Maybe, maybe, I should, <laughs> so, maybe I should play the lottery, yeah. <laughs> so I got to tell you, when I see people play lottery tickets, like when I see people online to buy lottery tickets, it's almost like when I walk through a casino and it makes me sad. It makes me really, really sad. Oh, it's not that bad. If you're buying like, no, like, it, is if bad. Like 90, it is bad. The, Ross, if it's like 90 million and you're buying like one lottery ticket, it's not bad. If you're doing it like all the time and it's like, okay, then maybe we got an issue. I think, I, I think, you know what, Nick, it's not. If I saw someone like Dave Briggs buying a lottery ticket, it's the people that I see at times in line buying lottery tickets and the people I see in line at times also in the casinos. It just bums me out. It just uh, like I want to go over to them and be like, have you heard of like a, a bank account? Like, have, you know, what do you think about like a CD? Like, I, I don't know. You know, like maybe an investment. Like the, like the, like the guardian financial angel. Like, what are you, buddy? Who do you think you are, man? You're going to go up and talk about. You know what I am? You know what a bank account is? What the fuck is that? No, you know what I am? I'm someone that gets sad when people that have very little disposable income dispose of it at a casino or a lottery ticket, which is like yeah. pissing it away when it looks like they probably don't even have enough money to be able to pay their rent that week. That's how I feel, Nick. You be a dick. I'm trying to be a good person. You just can't save everybody. That's it. 
You can feel bad, but you're, you go, oh, what the people are, you want to, you want you know a bank account is? Yeah, they know what a bank account is. They don't give a shit. Just get, get out of the way so they can pull the slot. You know, he brings up a good point, though, because the lottery is built on people that can't afford to play it. And it's a good point that, yeah, I, I can probably afford the, the $15 I literally throw away every time the jackpot gets up, but it's $321 million Saturday night. It's worth me risking $15 when you think about the shit you throw money away on. You know, I mean, you spend six bucks at Starbucks. And what's the return? Is it that much better than the, the coffee, my Nespresso? No. It's not much better. So I, I guess that's how I rationalize and it. By the and way, by the way, $15 to Dave, dream is worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, unlike Nick, I love this show and I love most of the stuff I do. So I would still work. You know, right, even if I won the lottery. I don't think my life would change that much other than private really? air travel. Private uh, air travel see, would, see, be, this would is, be the big difference. This is other where, like, that, Ross, you just said you feel bad for people, like, in the casino. I'm being I'm being candid with you, buddy. I feel bad for you. Tell me why. What the, you, you you won the lottery and you would, you'd fucking... You'd still like do like the fucking the nine million things that fall under like the Ross Tucker media umbrella. Why would you do that? Like you have all the money. Like what does it matter now? Like why? Like go spend. Well, okay, do okay, do Nick, a lot of fun shit. Why would you do that? Okay, okay. Let's talk this. You you would never see me again if I won the Mega Millions. If I won ninety million dollars, you would never see me again. What would you do? Me, me neither. Me neither, bro. <laughs> you would never no way. see me again. Never. No. I would. I would like. You know, I may like still like want to do like media stuff sporadically because I have a massive ego that I like to be filled by by doing shit like this. So I probably still do some stuff, but there ain't no way I'm working five days a week, multiple jobs. There, there's no chance that's happening. Um, I would travel the world also, no question about it. I'd probably um smoke a lot of pot, um, and just do all sorts of fun shit that I want to do. Like, oh, I want to go to a sporting event. I want to sit courtside at this game. I would go do that. Um, I I would not be working. A lot, at least. Maybe a little bit I would work. I would not be working a lot. I would not be working five days a week, and I would not be working multiple jobs. No chance. Zero percent. If you think I'm doing a four-hour You Better You Bet show in, in fucking April talking about Major League Baseball when I have $90 million <laughs> in the bank, buddy, you got another thing coming. No chance in hell. <laughs> but, All right. You know. Here's my question, though. I mean, are you okay with, like, idle time? I mean, I wouldn't work either in a traditional sense. I, would I wouldn't work five days a week. I time if I could. If I could. Like, idle time sucks now. Like, it's fucking <laughs> Idle time is wasted money now at this point, right? With, with, with 99% of the population. But if idle time is like, you've got $90 million in the bank. Who gives a shit about it? You've got all the money to pay for it. No time is idle. You've got money to fill all of it. <laughs> he, he's got a good point, Tucker. You would still hustle as much as you do. I'm calling bullshit on that. Oh, oh, hold on a second, hold on a second, hold on a second. Do you and Ross realize- is a huge hustler, to be fair. Like, Ross, you are. Like, you're, you, you grind like almost no one I've ever seen. I can't imagine you would keep doing that if you had all that money. No, I mean, there are things that I would no longer do. Um, but I don't know. I, I kind of still picture having, I, I still kind of picture having a daily, a daily show for two hours where I get to say what I think about shit. Um, I still think I'd probably want to go to games and call them. Um, I would just want to fly my private jet up and back and make the, the travel. I mean, I mean, 
honestly, what I would want to do is go to a bunch of fucking football games, which is what I already do. That's like, cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Like, that's what I would want to do. Now, in the off season, it's a little bit different. Um, but the thing I would say about that is, you know, there's a lot of people that make hundreds of millions of dollars and billions of dollars. They still work. They still like it. Like, they, st- I, I think what you guys are saying would be great for three months to a year. And then you'd kind of be like, all right, now what I'm going to do? And I know you're going to, no, I wouldn't, dude. No, you I might be right. I smoke pot forever, bro. Yeah, dude. I, look, n- not many people that have that much money do that. They, they all end up doing other things because it's rewarding, it's fulfilling, and they enjoyed Like, you would just do things that you enjoy, but you'd still do stuff. Can't really argue that. I mean, he might be right about that. I, I have no idea. Can I, can I, Ross, I was telling a story about you yesterday to someone. Can I reveal this? This is going to take this in a little bit of a different direction, but a jog, can I, can I tell this story? Uh, yeah, I don't know what it is. I'm a little it's nervous, not bad. but I guess. No, it's, it's not bad. So, so I was, um, I was actually, no, it was on You Better You Bet last night. So Eli, Eli Herskovitz, producer of the show was talking about how like things at the airport really just on the subject of travel. Cause like we've been going back and forth to Chicago every weekend, um, doing the show is fun. You Better You Bet, which has been a great opportunity for the show. And Eli's talking about stuff that pisses him off at airports. Like when people get up to wait online, like a half an hour before the flight's ready to board. I'm past. I don't care about like that stuff that used to bother me when I was younger. I don't really care anymore. Ross, do you remember when, so Dave, I think I've mentioned before that Ross and I used to work together, right? So I used to produce for Ross back in the day, back like, this was like a decade ago. And we would travel to NFL training camps together and do shows together. And we would like fly together, right? So we would be like in one city one day, do a show, go to the airport, fly to another city, sleep in the hotel, do the show, go to the airport, fly to another city, sleep in the hotel, like rinse and repeat for like a week. So we'd be in like five different cities in in five days. It was pretty cool. Great experience for a kid for like me at the time. And I'm sure it was fun for Ross as well. And Ross taught me the trick where you have to finagle yourself up to the front of the line to make sure you never have to check any luggage. And you almost lie about what group number you have. And then basically like beg for forgiveness when you get up there. And it literally worked 100% of the time and we never had to check anything. So like Ross would be in group three and he would somehow finagle both of us into group one. So we never had to check anything just in case the overhead spots were filled and i still do that to this day and ross taught me that like 10 years ago back up what's the technique again because i gotta Uh, write this down ross ross i i don't want to like misrepresent like what your technique is i think that's like that that's what i've been doing at least like you go up there when it's not when it's not your turn and you're basically like oh i'm sorry about this and then they let you because like you charm them or whatever and they let you in yeah, I mean, there's there's a bunch of different ways you can do it. Um, they they've gotten better at it. I used to like when I was Southwest, and it'd be <laughs> I'd be B12. I would go up and go A12 and just have my thumb on the A as I put <laughs> the uh, put the boarding pass underneath. It was but legendary. Now it like, but now it like buzzes you. Like they they right. they, they they figured me out. So now it like buzzes you. So. Southwest is tough. Southwest, you literally just need to write at 24 hours, be the person that checks in right at 24 hours in advance so you get the highest possible. For all the other ones, though, like if I'm boarding group four, okay, for American Airlines, nobody's really boarding group three. There is really no three. So when they call That's boarding true, group That's true, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. So when they call boarding group two, I go in line with boarding group two and 
I let all the boarding group to, I'm like, oh, you can go ahead of me. Yeah, you can go ahead of me. And then when I get up there, I get, I, I, I and I, she looks at it and I go, there's no more twos. There's, there's no more. She's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm helping her out. You know what I mean? Like I'm helping her out. <laughs> the guy's a fucking legend. It's awesome. I remember and, and thinking and, like, this is the coolest thing I've ever fucking seen. Like I'm with this fucking like, like renegade criminal here. Like we're breaking the law somehow, some way. And it feels awesome. <laughs> Would hey, you feel there are is, so is many, that? Hey, Dave, let me say one thing. Yeah. There are so many things in life that I do shit like that. And it goes against every fiber of my wife's being, right? Like <laughs> she is like, she is She's like, a rule follower. Yes. I thought he was going to say every fiber of my being. And then he goes, every no, fiber of my wife's no, being. No, my wife, no, but my wife is a rule follower. <laughs> so for all of these things, she'll like, like, you know, how like there's like 30 cars waiting to make a left sometime. Right. I'll go in the middle lane. And then, because I see the lights turning, I'll go in the middle lane, and then boom, I get in there just as the cars start to move a little bit, and she's like, don't do this. You shouldn't do this. Ross, what are you doing? Okay, that was cool. <laughs> so she's she a does, bit there's, there's, like, there's like five things that I can think of off the top of my head that she does not like when I do it. It's not the right thing. Ross, you shouldn't be doing this. But then as soon as the mission has been accomplished, she loves me. She wants to hook up with me right then. She thinks I'm yeah. a stud. She thinks it's a man. Right then. It's yeah. It goes from no, 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 no. Oh, yes. That's my husband right there. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's brilliant. I, I really, I hope I can travel with you sometime so I can see all the life hacks of Ross Tucker. It's brilliant. I also want to see you charm your way by the the flight attendant type. I don't know what they're the desk gal there at Southwest Airlines. I want to see the charm uh, hey, of hey, Ross Tucker. You want to hear joy? You want to see joy? Okay. Joy is me going through the easy pass line while the <laughs> other people while the other people are in line because they don't have easy pass and there's like they're like twelve cars back. Yeah. And I'm going in the easy pass. I roll the window down and either wave or flash him the deuces. What? what a dick. That's just a dick move. That's not like a cool move. That's just being a dick. Thank boss. you. But it's so that fun. Dick move. No, no, all. it's a dick move. You know what's a dick move? Okay. No, Ross. Ross, being that's a dick so move. so stupid as a human being that you don't have easy pass and you ever wait Maybe they can't afford it. Reason. Maybe these are the same people that are at the it's casino free. gambling away their easy pass not, money. Not only is it not only is easy pass free, it's actually a discount at the toll. Like if the toll's 650, easy pass is $6.18. It actually saves you money. I either wave, flash them the deuces or say, "You got to win it in the pits." Pretend like it's NASCAR, you know, and it's like you're going through the pit row. It's awesome. It's awesome. I, um, this is, so you guys are learning something about me now. God, I got to fucking travel with Ross Tucker so I can learn some shit about how to travel. But in the meantime, I need you to make us some money, Costos and you, Tucker. Yeah, let's, let, let's get into the, uh, well, how, did you not fare well in divisional well, round? You know, I, I've been talking about it, um, for the last couple of weeks on the show here. This has been for me, um, 
and actually when I had a great NBA, uh, NBA in college night last night. So I feel like hopefully I'm finally getting hot now. I have never had a worse, not never. It's probably been like, I've been doing sports gambling stuff in the media since I started writing, doing like picks against the spread for Bleacher Report in like 2012, 2013. I've never had a worse season betting on the NFL than I had this year. And I felt like there were some picks I had that were unlucky. Uh, excuse me. There were some picks I made that were just bad picks. Like for instance, the Vikings this weekend against the 49ers. That's a bad pick. Like I'm not going to sit here and rationalize that after the fact. Like Vikings should have covered. I got unlucky. That's a bad pick. Niners absolutely killed them. That's a terrible job by me. But then I look at like other picks that I've made. Like let's take this weekend for example. And this is not – and I've been asking guests that we have on the show like is this the loser's lament? Like if I'm being like a whiny bitch like someone tell me here. Like I don't want to do that on the show and like and like – not come across as genuine to the audience or have the audience feel like they can't relate to me or whatever. And everyone was like, no, we think it's fair. And this is part of like what goes into it, right? Like I had the over in the Ravens Titans game. That was my biggest financial investment of the weekend in the NFL. Again, the game goes under despite Tennessee scoring 28 points. If you had told me that before the game, I would have like bet a kidney on the over 48 points with, with <laughs> Tennessee scoring 28. The Ravens had 600 yards of total offense. They ran 92 plays. They had eight drives that ended in Titans territory that ended in zero points. Like if that exact scenario was played out 99 more times, it goes over like 95 of the 99 times. But that was one of the times that I betted it didn't. That's very frustrating to me. That's been the kind of shit that's been happening all season long. And like I've had like many like maybe not like big time winning seasons, but I've had enough good seasons in a row betting on the NFL where I'm I'm hoping that this was an outlier season where I just feel like the lot like – and a lot of pro betters feel the same way. Like a lot of guys we've had on the show have been like, this was like a nightmare season where it's like, you feel like yeah. you're on the right side and like the ball doesn't bounce the way you want it to bounce. And it's just, it's been very, very, very frustrating. And I won, um, my, my fantasy was great this year. Like I won a lot of DFS money. Um, I won all, I was in the finals of almost all my season long leagues. I won my high stakes league. So like I won money this year gaming on the NFL in terms of fantasy and gambling. But normally it's like more of an even split. The variance was so high for fantasy this year and so low for gambling that I'm thinking I'm going to regress to the mean next year. But a very frustrating year for me. Maybe the people listening and watching that can that that gamble can relate to that. Um, I would just suggest staying in the course because like it's it's tough. It's not like basketball or baseball where there's such a huge sample size where you can like things will even out over the course of a season. It's only 16 games in the NFL in the regular season. So like it's not a huge sample size. So you can get fucked over the course of an entire season. Right. And I really do think that well, I did. I, I I think that I got unlucky this year. That's not to insinuate that I'm the greatest better of all time because I'm not. But I do feel like I got unlucky this year. Um, so what was well, your Colin question? Coward, Colin Coward was uh, 0 for 10 streak going in this postseason. Shit happens, so man. The shit's hard <laughs> in the NFL. You have lowered the bar for the importance of these picks. But let's start with Tennessee and Kansas City. Both games are 7.5. But this one, a 51.5 over under. What are your picks here? And Ross, you go straight out of that. Um, I kind of like the over, and I think normally, and I'm fascinated to hear what Ross thinks about this too. Um, I normally think like if you're going to take an underdog, it correlates to an under. But I think actually here, I see no way that the Chiefs don't put up a bunch of points in this game. Like they're going to score like 27, 28 points minimum. Their team total is 30 and a half. Even if like the Titans run like the Super Bowl 25 game plan that the Giants ran against the Bills and possessed the ball for like 40 minutes, I don't think there's any way the Chiefs still aren't scoring like 27, 28 points in this game. 
So I, I think that if you like the Titans, it kind of correlates to the over because Kansas City is going to be scoring no matter what in this game, and I really and I, and I believe that. So I kind of I, I lean towards the over a little bit here with Tennessee and Kansas City. The angle that I want to take here, I think, and like this, it's really tough, man. I think both games are really tough to pick this weekend. This game I think is tougher actually. I I think I kind of like the Titans because I think Titans are live here, but I I think I want to do Titans in the first half plus four. I think Tennessee will be able to keep the game close early, and then there's a case to be made for Kansas City you know, putting the foot on the, the pedal and blowing the doors off them in the second half or winning by double digits in the second half. So that's kind of where I'm looking in this game. I think Tennessee definitely has an opportunity to keep it close, but it's my expectation that the Chiefs will win the game. And I think the Chiefs will ultimately win the Super Bowl. Tucker. You know, it, it's interesting. You know that whole big song and dance that Costos did about toughest year ever and blah, 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 and other oh, – I'm up 26 units for the year. How how'd last year go? 26 units for Ouch. the year. Wow. And, so if, and if you, you need to know anything do, about variance in sports betting, that's all you need to know is a schmuck like this is up and I'm down. That's all you need to know. You know what <laughs> we should probably do? We should probably not even ask Nick his picks when he comes on the show. You just know what? You can host the show too. His opinions. Just host you better, you bet. I could use a week off. You can better, you, you bet. Too? Should probably be my show if we're being Please. honest. I love it. I mean, let's we can trade. I'm better, and I, you want to trade me, Briggs? You guys, <laughs> <laughs> you want to trade? I'll trade. I'll I'll do I'll do this show for two hours every day as opposed to four hours at night. Ross, I would love for you better you bet to be your show, and I could do home and home with Dave. How about that? I'll make the trade right. right now. So anyway, point is, everybody <laughs> listening or watching on the radio.com app. Class yeah. is in session, okay? Right. The class clown just gave you his bet. Now it's my turn to give you the correct bets. I had the under, by the way, in Ravens-Titans. I knew it would be that one out of 100, and that's exactly what it was. <laughs> um, no, nah, I was up two units last week. So I don't, I'm not feeling the total for either one of these games, specifically for the Titans and the Chiefs. And I don't know if this is because I'm a former player or what, but when the line gets over seven points, it is really hard for me to take the favorite. He's one of the all-time greats. He's Drew Pearson. He's the only member of the all-decade 1970s team that is not in the Hall of Fame. And we're talking, of course, about the Centennial Class and the NFL's Hall of Fame. It's been in the news because it's been making for some wonderful made-for-TV moments. Bill Cower, Jimmy Johnson, both on national television, when they found out they were being inducted into the Centennial Class, it was wonderful. As a football fan, I loved both moments. There were tears, there was emotion, there was hugs. This is fantastic. Then they announced to the rest of the class yesterday on Good Morning Football and NFL Network, and some of the guys had, well, big parties to celebrate what surely would be their induction. Drew Pearson, former Cowboys receiver, was one of them, invited all the cameras, or at least allowed them to come in, had a big party, and when the moment was clear that Drew Pearson was not getting in, it was another made-for-TV moment, although not the one the NFL wants to be out there. Drew Pearson was angry. He was brokenhearted, and he said so. They broke my heart. 
and they did it like this. Later, he went on 105.3. Our friends down in Dallas, you can find them on the radio.com app and talked about the disappointment of not getting in. Listen. The uh, only thing I heard was from uh, Shireen Williams right. after the meetings were uh, ended, after the meetings ended. You know, she said uh, I had a good presence in the room. She said a lot of people in the room spoke up for me. But, you know, the vote might have been splintered due to the fact that you had three wide, oh, maybe four wide receivers eligible for this opportunity. When they talk and discuss you in a room like that, uh, they talk negative things. I don't know. I can't think of one negative thing in my career that they could bring up. I've been told so many times, Drew, you deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. I've been introduced over the years when I do an appearance or something as a Hall of Famer and everything. And I thought this was going to be a time, the time that I got into the Hall of Fame. But unfortunately, it didn't happen that way. If you haven't seen the actual video of the moment, check out Nui Scrubs' Twitter feed. Uh, it's been retweeted a million times. You can find it. Um, that was Drew Pearson, one of the all-time greats, the Cowboy receiver on 105.3 in Dallas. Look, I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. I agree with Drew Pearson. He certainly should have made this made-for-television centennial class. But if you don't know you're getting in, and if you're going to be brokenhearted if you don't get in, you don't have a watch party, Ross. Unless, of course, you think that's going to help you get in. Your thoughts? Well, I, I, I think it's actually genius on a couple of different levels. So, number one, if you're comfortable with your disappointment being shown, then I've got no problem with it. So first of all, he's getting a lot of publicity from this, Dave. And one thing we've known from about Drew Pearson over the years, he is sort of the Jerry Jones philosophy of any publicity is good publicity. His name is being talked about and in the news and mentioned more than any of the 15 guys that are getting in. He's the one getting all of the attention. So in terms of speaking engagements, broadcast appearances, things like that, Drew Pearson is going to be the winner out of this because he's getting the most attention. Secondly, all of this attention and the Hall of Fame voters seeing all the people at his house, seeing his disappointment, Hearing people talk like you on this show saying he should be in the Hall of Fame. I'm just telling you, I would be stunned if Drew Pearson does not get in the Hall of Fame over the next three to five years. Stunned. Because this will be part of what makes him the seniors committee candidate. They will want to now write what they perceive to be a wrong, and he's going to get in. I think he benefits on both levels. Okay, I agree with you, but I, I'm not going to be brokenhearted for him because that moment went down on camera. So, look, he wanted that moment to be on camera, and I think you're right. That was part of the strategy. 
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast baseball sign stealing scandal continues and continues to marinate throughout the sport and resonate through different cities and now the biggest question this morning is will the new york mets fire carlos beltran Beltran was the only player mentioned in the report on the Astros sign-stealing scandal and one of the, the masters who figured out this system along with Alex Cora. But the deal is nobody, as far as players are concerned, have been punished. Maybe that's because the Players Association. So why, in fact, should Carlos Beltran be fired by the Mets if no other players are being punished? My biggest problem with this story is there's no accountability on the players. Almost no talk about Altuve and Bregman and Springer and these guys that either cheated or knew their team was cheating and did nothing about it and won a World Series that way. Can't necessarily say that about the Red Sox players yet that won the 2018 World Series, but once we learn that investigation, we're going to out those players as well and talk more about them because it's these grown men that did this. There should be less talk about A.J. Hinch and Alex Cora and more talk about the players that pulled this crap off. Ross Tucker, some interesting words from a former Astros manager, Phil Garner, on Sports Radio 610 in Houston. Want to get your reaction to what he said yesterday about this scandal. Listen. So, Phil, Mike Fires was the one who initially blew the whistle to the athletic on this whole thing. Mike Fires pitches for the Oakland A's. The Oakland A's play the Astros 19 times each season. Inevitably, Mike Fires is going to face the Astros this year. Obviously, he's not going to step into the batter's box against the Astros, so maybe it's a moot point because of the designated hitter. But what 
how do you think Mike Fires is being viewed in this whole thing by the Astros? If you were with the Astros now, how are you looking at Mike Fires? And do you think Mike Fires ends up getting any sort of um, any sort of uh, unwritten rule retribution in this whole thing? No, I don't. That that's kind of gone out the window in baseball. The, the fact that you retaliate, the unwritten rules kind of thing that's that's been lost uh, in the culture. Uh, I, I think he'd be viewed as a rat, okay, if it was a big deal for you. Why didn't you bring it up while you were the Astros? Why didn't you step up and stop it? You're going to wait until you go another team? You're going to enjoy the fruits of the of, – uh, if there's any success being had by cheating, you're enjoying that while you're the Astros. Then when you go away, uh-uh, I don't like that anymore. So, to me, that's uh, that's not a very good standard. And I think most baseball players will look at it that way. Phil Garner, former Astros manager on Sports Radio 610 in Houston, calling Mike Fires the whistleblower on this entire scandal and the reason we are here today. Phil Garner calls him a rat. I call him the only person with any integrity in this entire process, Ross, and you. Well, but how would you address Phil Garner's point about that if he had that much, I mean, if he had that much integrity, why didn't he do it while they were doing it? He was a pitcher. He was a pitcher, and they feel like sometimes pitchers are on another island. That's why they stand out there and they sit in the bullpen. And I'm certain it was something that was eating away at him each and every day when he saw his teammates cheating and knowing that his brothers on other teams were getting cheated out there on the mound each and every time they stood out there and wondered, how the fuck did they hit that pitch? That was a perfect pitch. Look, and I also don't understand how Garner can feel sorry for A.J. Hinch and talk about how great a character he is. He's the leader of these men that, yes, didn't like what was going on and sometimes pushed back against it, but no one could have stopped this situation easier than the very manager that Phil Garner feels sorry for. Stop me with your fucking hypocrisy, Garner. Um. Well, listen, let me take a step back. First of all, for fires... It's like he was cool benefiting from it when he won a World Series. Well, how do you know that? Because he didn't say anything. Well, it's not that easy. You can't sit here and say he was cool with it. He may not have been. He may may have been struggling with it. He was cool with it in the sense that he was cool with it in the sense that he didn't say anything about it. He was cool enough with it, right? I mean, he was cool enough with it, okay enough with it that he didn't say anything on his way to winning a World Series ring. Now that he goes to another team, and now that he has to pitch against them, now he's going to be like, oh, no. And and by the way, I, I, I don't blame him for not wanting them to be doing it when I'm pitching if I'm him. But really, he could have just told his new teammates, and he could have just known, look, they're going to be stealing your signs. They got this camera. He could have just made sure his new teammates were aware of it. And not gotten this whole thing going out at everybody. I do think it's interesting, by the way, that he did this publicly, Dave. Like, is it wasn't there, isn't there like an anonymous way he could have done this? So that he didn't get his name out there like this? Yeah. Yeah, I'm very surprised by that. Absolutely, he could have certainly been a an anonymous whistleblower and called someone in the league office and started this investigation. Um, but I also wonder, it doesn't appeared to me that Major League Baseball was eager to do anything about this. I'd be stunned if Mike Fires 
blowing the whistle to the athletic was the first thing major league baseball heard about this shit. There is no way, man. The NFL puts people in every stadium and every game in, in dressing up as fans to try to check out the experience. You're telling me major league baseball never once heard garbage cans being banged on at odd times right before guys hit home runs. That's a bunch of bullshit. I can't tell if Mike Fires though, ultimately helped clean up the game or did he hurt the reputation of the game further? Yeah, I would say it's, well, I, I think it's both, but I would say it's more the latter. I would say it's more like, oh my gosh, that's why the Astros won it. That's why the Dodgers didn't win it. That's why the Red Sox won it the next year. I almost feel like, Dave, on some level, it'll be like what I talked about earlier in the show with NASCAR, which is like the next team to win the World Series. It'll be like, I wonder what they figured out. I wonder how they're cheating. That's bad. When you get to that point, where people believe that the only way you really become the winner is if you cheat somehow and you have some edge, that's not where you want to be as a sport. Because then all the other teams can justify whatever edges they take by saying, hey, we're just trying to level the playing field. Yeah, and, it, and it's a sport that's already struggling with, with integrity issues and with attracting new fans and the ratings are down. There's a lot of, of bad news coming baseball's way, and this just makes things more difficult for them. And that's why some feel that the New York Mets have no choice but to move on from their manager, Carlos Beltran, as I mentioned, the one player mentioned in the report who, along with Alex Cora, the bench coach of the managers, helped devise the system. Here's our friends at WFAN on what should happen with Beltran. Do you think Carlos Beltran should still be the Mets manager after what we learned yesterday? Uh, Yeah. I think that he should be, and I think that he will be. If he was some faceless kind of dude that maybe most people couldn't pick out of a lineup, then I think that it's an easier sell for the Mets, and they can say, listen, this guy, you know, was not forthright with us from the beginning or whatever, and we're going to take a stand here. We're going to go a different direction. This is Carlos freaking Beltran. What are they going to do? I would not fire Carlos. Right. I can't even I, believe I, it's a I conversation. Right, and, I, and I'm with you on that because he was a player. If the Mets knew about Carlos Beltran's involvement prior to the hiring cycle, would they have taken him seriously as a candidate? This is not a Mets cheating scandal. This does not stick to the Mets one way or the other. For me, for the way I look at it, this is a Beltran issue. And, and I know people lie all the time, all the day. He was flat out asked about it and painted a rosy picture of what transpired down in Houston. And we know basically he was the one that streamlined the cheating down in Houston. It'd be one thing if he was he was doing it as a player, right? He was helped streamlining it. It'd be another thing if really he was the guy in charge of the Houston Astros. The, then he was in charge of the Mets, and he wanted to put this type of scheme in. Like, I think about it this way, oh, right? Then, yeah. then it would be over. If you're one of these people that says Carlos Beltran absolutely needs to be punished for this, and it's up to the Mets to do that, and Major League Baseball needs to go back and they need to punish Carlos Beltran for it and every other player that was involved. Because just because he retired and got a managerial job doesn't mean that he needs to be punished more. Now the question now in terms of restoring his credibility, that's gone. I mean, Carlos Beltran was part of it. 
uh, just as Cora was, as Hinch was, as every one of those players who remained silent down there in Houston, they were all part of it. So that goes out the window. Our friends WFAN in New York, check them out on the radio.com app. I agree with that prior take from Boomer Esiason. Why should Beltran be the one player who was punished here because he decided to retire and become a manager? Quick thought, do you think they should fire Beltran? I don't think they should fire Beltran, but it's a bad look for the Mets because it's almost like, well, the Astros wouldn't stand for it. And the Red Sox wouldn't stand for it, but the Mets are okay with it. The difference is he didn't do anything with the Mets, and he presumably won't do anything with the Mets. So I don't think he should be fired, but I do think it's a little bit of a PR problem. David DeLuper joining us now, the brilliant genius behind 30 for 30 for 30. Are you a lobster today or a crawfish? What's the costume, brother? Yes, today I am a crawfish. I am actually in New Orleans, and I'm going to be going to the Pelicans game tonight. Oh, you just missed the uh, Zion debut, which happens next week. So here we are on this journey. Um, Started on Christmas Day. Why did you decide you want to get on the Jumbotron at 30 NBA games in 30 days? Where did this idea come from? Sure. So the idea, it's it's been developing for about a year now, to be honest. And the biggest thing is whether your team's winning by 20 or losing by 20. If you see that one person that gets on the Jumbotron, they can change the entire atmosphere of the arena. So I thought that was so cool and I I had to give it a shot. Uh, I figured out the formula to kind of do it and I've just been trying to, to go 30 for 30 for 30 so far. What, what is the formula? Sure. It's uh, I guess it's a self-developed formula, but there's a couple steps. Uh, one is you got to sit in the lower bowl, preferably a corner opposite of the team bench. This is because the cameramen are kind of tethered to that corner. Uh, second thing is you have to wear clothing of that team. So as a result, I've been able to wear a jersey or hat of every team, and that just helps you get on the Jumbotron to, to show your support. And then the other step is you got to have a costume or something, kind of kind of stick out and, and have energy. You know, everybody that's a cameraman wants to see that person that kind of has that extra energy. So that's it. And then uh, the fourth thing is kind of have some subpar dance moves. That's a, that's another big thing. I'm a, I'm a terrible, terrible dancer. But I have fun and, and hopefully that shines through. And, and so far we're 22 for 22 getting on the Jumbotron. 22 for 22. You've been to Philly and Brooklyn and Boston and D.C. and Denver, Salt Lake, Philly, New York, Miami, Orlando, Atlanta, L.A., Toronto. It goes on and on, and the costumes are brilliant. Uh, Talk about that angle, and how do you devise costumes for each and every game? Where do you get them? How much are you spending on the costumes? Sure, sure. So the costumes, the goal is to kind of resonate with that local fan base. Um, so, for example, in New Orleans, therefore, I am a crawfish tonight. As you can see in Brooklyn, I was also a hot dog and, you know, with Coney Island and, of course, the, the famous Nathan's hot dog eating competition. But for me, the costumes, really, I got them the day after Halloween. Um, I went to Spirit Halloween's. I went to Party Cities. And I just kind of flooded their clearance aisles and made it happen there. And then there's been a couple, uh, I guess, a, a couple emergency Party City runs, you could say. Uh, for a wig or, or sunglasses or a cape or something just to, you know, if I, if I accidentally didn't ship something in the right direction or, or whatnot. So 
it's been a uh, it's been a grind, and it's been one of the more fun things about this journey is finding the costumes, choosing them, and then uh, taking pictures of some of the fans. It's it's been cool. All right, David, uh, where are you from? So originally, I'm from New Jersey, which I think is the best state in America, but I currently live in Philadelphia. Okay, and what what do you do for a living, if you don't mind me asking? Sure, I, I do have a full-time job. I do communications for an energy, energy drink company, and uh, I had a bunch of paid time off, and I was able to kind of take a small leave of absence, and, and here I am now. How long is the leave of absence? So the last day of the trip is January 23rd, and then I start that Monday following it. So I was able to take off essentially from Christmas Day to January 23rd, so about a month. Okay, and... Like Dave asked you about the costume. How much are you spending on this whole thing? Sure. I mean, to be honest, it's been a, a pretty scrappy trip. Um, I started the planning process, I think it was August 10th or August 13th, whenever the MBA schedule came out, because that's when I needed to logistically plan out the map, like the route and the maps. And really the biggest thing is we try to fly to one area and then drive with a rental car to save money. But in total, when you book a flight on Spirit, you know, three, four months in advance, it's, it's only $45 round trip. Um, so really, it's been a scrappy trip. And if you look right now, I'm in a, a friend's house. A lot of it has been staying with friends, with family, with all that. So it hasn't been a, a, a big investment yet, to be honest. A few thousand dollars, I'd say. So your Instagram feed is a huge hit. Uh, the Philly appearance, 90,000 views. MSG was 71,000 views. Minnesota, 80,000 views. Is that why you did this for Instagram fame, or is there another reason that motivated you? Sure. It, it kind of comes back to I love NBA. I love the basketball. Like, I love basketball. For me, I played soccer my whole life. I played soccer in college, and after I played – after I graduated, there was a tough transition of kind of being an athlete to, I guess you could say, quote unquote, retiring. So as a result, I started playing pickup basketball and, and that's where I made my friends. And then I started to learn about the NBA and I started to fall in love with it. And for me, I learned throughout this trip, I always knew I wanted to go to 30 NBA games in 30 days and, and do that challenge. But for me, the biggest part about this trip is I understand the NBA is more than the players or the product on the court. It's about the fan bases. It's about the arenas. It's about the front offices that really make the environment for the fans. So that's been the coolest part of this journey. All right. So do you now alert the team somehow, or do you say on Instagram what the next stadium is or arena you're going to? Yeah, so it, it's kind of picked up and it's gotten some momentum, which is really exciting. So I've had people reach out from teams being like, hey, where are your tickets? You know, uh, do you need tickets? All that. So, for example, I had a, a mascot of a team actually direct message me on Instagram saying, hey, I have some tickets if you want. Um, let me know. So it's been kind of funny like that. And, and luckily, the NBA community has been so supportive. Uh, we ended up, my buddy posted about us on Reddit actually a few weeks ago. And because of that, we got a ton of direct messages saying, Hey, I have tickets to the Detroit Pistons. Do you need any, do you need a place to stay? Can I take you guys out for dinner? We unfortunately denied a lot of those just cause there were some, some odd requests, but the NBA community has been really supportive. And especially since people have found out about it, everybody's been great. All right. So what will you do if you go somewhere and you don't get, how many more do you have to do? Eight more games. Right now, we're 22 for 22 of getting on the Jumbotron. 
right, so what will you do if you don't get on the Jumbotron at one of these places? Yeah, it's a, it's a fair question. And for me, I'm still just having a great time day by day. If I don't get on the Jumbotron, I'm still going to try to go 30 for 30 for 29 or, or whatnot. Like, the fact is, I've wanted to go to every NBA game and every NBA arena, so I'm going to keep doing that. And if the Jumbotron happens, great, and I would be excited for it. But regardless if I get on the Jumbotron or not, I'm still going to complete the 30 days and 30 NBA games. I would imagine doing this, and it's 30 for 30 for 30 on Instagram. He's David DeLooper. That, that doing this is a wonderful way to see the country and to check out different atmospheres at different games. What's been the, the coolest experience for you in the first 22? Sure. It's um, hands down. It was going to the Staples Center on January 5th. Ended up going to the Clippers game at 1230 and then the Lakers game at 7. And to see the Clippers and what they put on the court and their atmosphere and their fan base and then seven hours, see what see the stadium turned around and see the Lakers and LeBron and AD play, it was a dream. Um, both atmospheres and fan bases are so different. And, and the fact is, we got to see them in the same day within, you know, seven, eight hours of each other. So that was the coolest thing. And uh, it's tough to say, though, some arenas were looking at them on a Monday night versus a Friday or Saturday night. So it, it's very... Each atmosphere is very different. And be honest here. What's the worst experience? What was the worst fan atmosphere at the first 22? Oh, man. So I I will be honest <laughs> with you guys. I think uh, uh, I, I appreciate every NBA team and, and what every NBA team has to offer. I think we didn't see the Brooklyn Nets on a, on a great day. So I would say that was the second day of the trip. But uh, yeah. The Brooklyn Nets was the worst fan experience. And elaborate on that. What made it so bad? Um, I, I think we saw them, you know, the, the day after Christmas. It was a little bit of tough of an environment. Uh, they focused more um, kind of on the celebrities as opposed to a little bit of the fans. But uh, we also saw them play the Knicks. So there was a lot of Knicks fans there, which was tough. You know, it's a, it was a big game for them to see the Knicks versus the Nets. But it seemed like there was more Knicks fans in the arena. Hey everybody, it's Ross Tucker. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time exclusively on the Radio.com app or on the web at Radio.com slash home. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.